You're listening to the Root and Stem Podcast, a podcast exploring issues and stories in STEAM education. Today, we speak with Christine Menard of Get Cyber Safe, a government campaign aimed at improving online safety and digital literacy among Canadians. What you will hear is the raw conversation between Christine and I, and hopefully her knowledge and advice can be used as a stepping stone in the never-ending journey of becoming cyber secure. Hi, I'm Christine Menard, and I work at the Government of Canada, and I've been working on the Get CyberSafe campaign for about 10 years now. Um, a lot of you probably haven't heard of the Get CyberSafe campaign, and it's Canada's national public um, awareness campaign created to inform Canadians about the simple steps that they can take to protect themselves online. And the key word here is simple. We really want to um, make cybersecurity like easy and simple and easy for people to do and just something that people can integrate into their daily lives somewhat seamlessly. Why was it created by the government of Canada? Why was this an initiative that they uh, chose to pursue? Like, was there a hole or a lack of cybersecurity in the public? Sure thing. So I mentioned that I've been working on Get CyberSafe for about 10 years now. And so think back 10 years and, you know, social media wasn't what it was today. E-commerce wasn't what it was today, but already we were feeling that that's the way Canada was going. Canadians were already spending a lot of time online and now they're spending even more time online. So the government of Canada really um, recognized that, uh, like internet was a great resource that Canadians could leverage and that cybersecurity had to come with that. So the government created the Get CyberSafe campaign to really address that need to make sure that Canada Canadians had the tools they needed to stay cyber safe. Who is at the most danger for security leaks? That is a good question. And, you know, it's easy to say, you know, I'm just a regular Canadian I don't do that much online that's risky, so I'm not really at risk. And that's something that I think a lot of Canadians might think, that they're not at risk because um, they're, they're not doing anything crazy online, so there's no problem there. But I would like to think that all Canadians should really be thinking about their cybersecurity and um, the simple things that they can do to stay safe. So I'm going to say that um, all Canadians are somewhat at risk for cybersecurity, but the more you do online and the more um, like personal information or sensitive information that you're putting out online, the more at risk you are really. Awesome. Is there certain demographics that are kind of more susceptible to that risk? I know like we kind of talked about uh, children being gullible users of the internet or cyberspace and then mm -hmm. obviously um, the elderly didn't really grow up with this technology right so is that something that is a concern for them or should be at least so like i said cybersecurity is of course a concern for everybody um and uh young people grew up with the internet they're exposed to it all the time they're very comfortable with it but that doesn't mean that they're not at risk and so we need to take special efforts to make sure that while they're using learning to use so quickly all the different apps and devices that they have that they're also putting in place good cybersecurity practices. So that's something that we encourage parents to do to have um, regular check-ins with their children to to uh, make sure that using their devices and their accounts and that all that is happening safely and they're, they're implementing those simple steps early on in their um, progress in using the internet. Um, and then when we talk about older adults, uh, it's kind of the other side of that coin. Um, if you haven't grown up with the internet and that's something that came to you maybe, you know, later in life, um, maybe, you know, it's not as top of mind uh, to try and stay cyber safe. Also, 
anecdotally we hear that oh you know like it it keeps getting more complex every year and more accounts and you know different um ways to connect for example multi-factor authentication when you think you know oh before i just had to enter a password that was easy now i have to take two steps to uh get into my accounts and so it there may be an anecdotal um evidence that suggests that it's getting more complicated um but really these steps are in place to make it more simple and more secure and so uh from that perspective i think sometimes the older adults in our lives can also uh use some additional resources to help them stay cyber safe for sure let's start with passwords because it kind of seems to be mm -hmm. like the first thing and almost your first line of defense right what makes a strong password that's right so passwords are exactly like you said like that first layer of defense, that first thing that we think of in terms of keeping yourself cyber safe. We say passwords, but we'll also say passphrases because what we want is for the password or the passphrase to be as long as possible. A long passphrase, and I'm talking more than 12 characters, more than 15 characters, uh, that's really what's going to make it uh, safer. So passphrases, so like I said, you want something that's uh long um and then as it gets longer it becomes harder to remember and so that's why we suggested passphrases and so what we mean by passphrases are a jumbled together list of four random words uh that you've kind of just mashed together and made into um a passphrase and so um you know there's fun ways to think of these things uh I, I sometimes like to create passphrases around something that I'm looking forward to, like a trip that I'm looking forward to. And so maybe I'll um, name the place that I'm uh, going to, uh, maybe an item that I'm going to be packing with me, uh, maybe someone that I would be seeing there. And I jumble those four words together, make sure that um, the four words are long enough to together they create a, about a 12 or 15 uh, character passphrase. And then you got a strong passphrase. But that's not all. Another very important thing about um, the strong passphrases and passwords is that they're unique. I've seen those memes on the internet where, what, what are they? I picked a password when I was 12 years old and I never looked back. Uh, that is not a strong cybersecurity practice. So um, taking one uh, password and then reusing it on multiple accounts is really a big risk. That is something that people should not be doing. They should absolutely be um, creating unique, strong, long passphrases for every single one of their online accounts. In the past, I've probably been guilty of like reusing a lot of passwords. <laughs> so I, I wonder like what what is the risk in doing that? Like how does that make it uh, easier for you to leak your information? And how does it compromise your security by using the same password across multiple accounts? Yeah, so it's easy to think, hey, I don't do that much uh, stuff online. I, I don't do anything risky online. What's the risk of um, you reusing the same password if it's just for a couple of online accounts? But the risk um, is in something called uh, credential stuffing. So credential stuffing, I know that might sound like a complicated term, but really it's um, just kind of a, a funny description for um, a type of uh, like cyber attack. So how this happens is, um, so say you've signed up for like a retailer or something, someone that, like a, a company that you've bought online from, and we hear in the news that online retailers are sometimes subject to cyber breaches. So that in that case, a cyber criminal has gone in, attacked that company and, and um, uh, extracted the data of their users 
their users, their usernames, and their passwords, and possibly also other information, but let's just keep it at um, username and password for now. And once they have that information, they'll turn around and um, sell that on the dark web or make it available on the dark web um, for other companies or for other cyber criminals to pick that up and then um, try and exploit the accounts. So say if I had my um, email, so Christine at Gmail, and then my password, easy password, uh, they make that available. If I have used those same two credentials, so that same email and that same password on other accounts, they can just go in and access those other accounts. So maybe I signed up for this online retailer and I thought, okay, there's no risk there, but then I reuse that same password for, say, my banking account or my um, Canada Revenue Agency account. You can see there how they could use those credentials and then stuff them in. So credential stuffing, stuff them into other accounts and then maybe access some of the other accounts. And that is why it is so important to have a unique password um, or passphrase for every single online account. That's a bit frightening. Uh, is <laughs> Is it often like for financial purposes? Is it often just to pull your data and sell it? Like, what is the purpose of what? Is, what are some common um, cybersecurity threats? Uh, common cybersecurity threats are, of course, yes, getting your sensitive financial information, so like your credit card information, and running up your credit card bill, getting access to your um, personal sensitive information, your um, you know, banking information, your uh, social security um, number, your SIN, um, anything like that, where they can uh, then take that information and um, steal your identity, for example. Um, another uh, big cyber threat, of course, uh, is uh, ransomware, where uh, a bit of malware or like a malicious code they get onto your system and then they lock your computer or your device and you can't access your data until you pay the ransom. So that's definitely for financial gain there where they're, they're asking for a ransom just for you to get your data back. So those are some of the, the main cyber risks. What's the avenue to a solution if let's say some ransomware is, has taken over your device? If ransomware has taken over your device, well, Oh, I'm sure we'll get to it eventually, but I can definitely help uh, describe some of the tactics that we can use so that we are not attacked by ransomware. So there's definitely a, a lot of defensive things that you can do uh, in order to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, but if it unfortunately does happen, um, absolutely, first thing you need to do is unplug that computer from the internet and from other like unplug any of the other devices if you have uh, devices attached to it or an external hard drive attached to it because that ransomware can spread to your other devices so you want to make sure and isolate that device um, that's a first step hopefully um, you have a backup of your data and so you, the ransomware might not even affect you because you have a backup of, of the data and you can go and just reinstall that backup oftentimes at this point um, Canadians might need to seek professional help to make sure and scrub the device and re, um, reinstall the device with the backup data. Um, and then at that point, uh, you might want to report the ransomware to either uh, the Canadian Anti-Fraud or the uh, Cyber Centre, depending on the case. Um, and there's some great resources on Get Cyber Safe, our website, uh, to help you through that. But that's some of the, the main steps that I just went through there. But for a more detailed review, uh, definitely 
uh, use a different device to go look up on Get Cyber Safe because we have the steps to how to uh, mitigate against that. One final thing on passwords, sorry to jump yeah. back, but um, sure. are password managers a helpful tool and are they uh, trustworthy? Absolutely, they're a very helpful tool. Um, I'm not sure, like, uh, we definitely often look at data on how many online accounts Canadians have, and where are my numbers on that? Yes, almost a third of Canadians have 20 plus online accounts. Can you imagine keeping track of a unique, strong, long password for 20 plus online accounts? And I know for some of us, it's far more than 20. It's just impossible to keep track of. So password managers are really a great tool um, to help uh, to help manage that. So basically, a password manager is like it's like a vault for your passwords, where they're all stored along with um, like the website or the account uh, or the the device or whatever it is that you have the password for. Then the um, account login that you've used, and then the password that goes with it. It's all stored there. Um, and then you can access that uh, on different devices and you don't even have to remember what your password is because the password manager, of course, remembers them for you. So on getcybersafe.ca, we have some um, great blog posts on what to look for in a password manager. Um, you're definitely uh, looking for one that will meet your needs. So if you are um, using different devices, like if you have... Um, like a mobile phone and a computer, you got to make sure that it's going to work for both those devices. If those two devices are on different operating systems, one's an Android and one's an iOS, uh, make sure that the password manager works for both of those. Um, password managers will often also suggest strong passwords for you, so you don't even have to come up with them yourself. They'll come up with a string of random characters um, and suggest a strong password. And then some of the more advanced ones have features where they will notify you if you have duplicated a password or if you've reused a password, it'll give you an alert and say, you should go back and change that so that you're not duplicating passwords. Uh, and then another feature is some of them will even um, search, uh, notify you if there's been a breach in a different account and uh, notify you to go and change that password because there's been a breach or even notify you if your um, information or passwords have been found on the dark web and you should go ahead and change those passwords as, as well. So there's several different um, services and password managers available. Of course, we won't recommend one or the other, but definitely those the features that I mentioned are some things that you can look for. And there are a number of online services where they've compared the different password managers, but it's really a personal preference and what works for you. One thing to keep in mind is that the password that you use to secure your password manager, that is going to be one of the most important passwords. You're going to need to remember that password. You're going to need to make sure that is the strongest password um, you have because that's uh, that's going to be important to make sure that password that's protecting all your other passwords, that one's long, strong, and unique, of course. Would it be true to say that if all your passwords are, or all your login credentials are, are located in one single spot, you're almost at an increased risk. Is, is that not true with password managers? 
Password managers, uh, the reputable ones, are known to be very strong and have the protections in place to make sure that um, using them is safe. And the use of password managers is something that's recommended by the Canadian Centre for Cybersecurity. So you can be confident if you have a strong password that it, your uh, credentials are going to be safe within that. Recently, I've been seeing like a lot of apps and softwares using this app called Authy. Um, are you familiar with that one? I'm not familiar with that one, but I have seen um, different authentication apps. And that is, like you said, something that more and more um, services and sites are going towards. Um, but multi-factor authentication is basically uh, a second way to authenticate you so, or, or a, a secondary way to authenticate you. They, the, these ways to authenticate you can be um, broken down into three different categories. So something that you know, either a PIN or password, a security question. So that's something that you've established ahead of time. You've set up your password, you've set up your uh, PIN or you've set up your security questions. It's something that you know, something that you have, like your phone. Um, so in that case, it is asking for authentication by uh, sending something to your phone and like your phone number and then that way you're authentic being authenticated that way or the third type is what you are so uh, it's really down to who you are as a person so either uh, we're talking about the face scan or the fingerprint um, or recognizing something about your eyes or your um, or your voice so it's authenticating you with something uh, that you are so three different types of factors but so in short, multi-factor authentication uses more than one way to make sure that it is you to, um, to get access to your accounts. And I think I have seen stats. I don't think I have them written down here, um, but multi-factor authentication really can prevent so many author uh, unauthorized logins um, onto your, like your email or your accounts. Um, because even if they have your username and your password, if they don't have that additional factor to let you in, they won't be able to access your accounts. This is a really strong way to protect yourself. Are there certain options that are better, better than others? Because um, I can't remember all the details, but I did see this, uh, somebody telling a story once of how they had their phone number listed as, or like where you send, it was either you send like a message um, and you get that code. Um, and that was their... Um, two-factor authentication option mm -hmm. that they had chosen or maybe it was their recovery they had like a recovery phone number set but the problem was is that somehow they had gotten some malware on their device and, and somebody had taken like a like remote control of their uh, phone and they were able to pretty much access everything on their phone because now they could almost reset their passwords and use that recovery um, phone number since they had access to the like the phone and all the messages and, and every everything that's incoming so um is is phone almost like uh a weaker option than others or or is that kind of just like a rare story you think uh i'm not sure of the details of that particular story but uh for sure, having in place a secondary factor is going to be much stronger than any, like just not having multi-factor authentication um, enabled at all. And of course, different accounts will allow you to use different factors. So whatever account it is, if there is multi-factor authentication available, absolutely set it up and make sure to set it up with a way that's convenient for you to 
access it. Um, for example, I know some people might have uh, trouble if they're if they're sending it to their phone and their phone's in a different room or something like that. You know, make sure that it's a way that's convenient for you. I would say is a pretty important factor. So. Put it in place, put multi-factor in place, factor authentication in place, and make sure that you're using a method that's convenient for you. What are some common avenues of cyber scams? And like where can where do people who kind of fall victim to these, where do they usually like come across them? Are they usually initiated through email or just general web browsing, um, downloading files? What are some different avenues? I'm going to say that phishing, so those sketchy emails, phishing is definitely a uh, cyber threat that it's just so common because it just, it's, there's such volume of these phishing messages out there. So that's, uh, phishing is really something that the Get Cyber Safe program uh, focuses on. And we really encourage um, Canadians to be able to recognize uh, the different um, red flags of phishing. And you know, because it used to be easier to recognize these phishing emails, and now um, they're becoming harder and harder to spot. So put simply, phishing is a uh, a message, like an email or a text message, um, that is uh, asking you to do something, and it looks like it's from a, re a reputable uh, source, like a trusted source, but really they're just trying to get your personal information, get you to log in and uh, divulge your uh, login credentials, or they're trying to get you to click on something and then download malware. It is uh, shocking how many of these uh, phishing emails like that you can receive uh, day to day. So we really encourage Canadians to um, remember the different um, red flags of phishing and what to uh, look for. We used to say, like back when I first started in cybersecurity, you know, if, if the email didn't look professional or if the graphics were blurry, um, then that was like definitely a telltale sign. And now the phishing emails have just gotten more and more sophisticated. And we're really um, saying, you know, it's probably... Even if it looks professional, don't depend on that. Uh, there are definitely some uh, key signs. So the first one is uh, urgent or threatening language. So if it is saying, you know, you you have to log in right now, or you're going to lose access to your account, or um, you know, this is only happening right now today. You have to log in, or we're going to call the police and they're going to be at your door anytime you see urgent or threatening language. I know sometimes that kind of language will raise our heart rate and, and, and you know, convince us that we need to act fast, but really our reaction should be the opposite. We should take a step back and say, okay, is this for real? Do I really need to be reacting to that? So that is a telltale sign. Anytime you see urgent or threatening language that take a better look because it could definitely um, be a phishing email and you should not be responding to it or clicking on it. The second one um, that we tell Canadians to look for is requests for sensitive information. Anytime that a, a message or an email is asking you to um, log in with your um, email and password or is asking for your credit card number or something like that, that's a sign that it could be a phishing email that they're just looking to get those uh, that sensitive information. Next one is anything that is too good to be true. Uh, you've you know won a vacation. Uh, you know you've inherited 
all kinds of money. If it's too good to be true, that is absolutely a red flag. It's a sign of phishing. Um, and the next one is anything that's unexpected. Um, and this could be, you know, uh, unexpected that it's coming from, um, like, for example, a, a service that you have never even signed up for, or uh, like a package that you're just not expecting. So if you get an email that says, hey, your uh, uh, package uh, is here, you just have to click here. Have you ordered a package? Does this line up to your expectations? Is this really something you're expecting? If it's unexpected, that could be a sign that it's phishing. Um, the next one we tell Canadians to look for, and this is a little bit trickier, but it can be done, is information mismatch. So anytime you um, receive an email and either the website or the email doesn't quite match what you're expecting. So you're, say, um, looking for company.ca, but in the email it says company. you know, XM or something. Oh, well, is that the right web address for this company? Is that the right email address? Especially if that email address looks really complicated, um, that's a sign that it's uh, an information mismatch and it is likely a phishing email. Um, when um, you are looking on emails on your desktop, it's pretty easy to hover over that email address and it'll show you the whole email address and you can see that way if there's an information mismatch that way. Um, but definitely that's important to check uh, to make sure it's not a, a, a phishing email. Another one is anytime there is a suspicious attachment. If you, um, especially if you like, are all of a sudden getting an email from someone maybe you haven't heard from in a long time uh, and there's an attachment, do not click on that attachment. If it is suspicious, do not click on it. That is a sign of phishing. Uh, watch out for that. And like I mentioned in the beginning, our last red flag is unprofessional design, but it's our last one because phishing now is getting more and more sophisticated and it's harder to tell. So it's still a red flag if it looks unprofessional, if the logo is blurry, if there's something about the language or the way it's written or anything about the layout that looks unprofessional, it's likely a sign of phishing. I love the, the email address one. That's my first uh, go-to every time there's something that's questionable. Via Instagram, there was like a big attack almost somebody's account would be breached in some way and then they would send you a direct message and you think mm -hmm. you know this person you follow this person so you think it's coming from them and it'd be like oh i made this for you something weird right uh, uh, i made this yep. for you hope you like it with a link and then you're like now you're kind of curious because like i haven't heard from this person forever and then you click the link and ask you to log in then all of a sudden it leads to nowhere and then your login information is there i know a lot of people fell for that one and uh there was a lot of uh new accounts being made and, <laughs> and accounts mm -hmm. being unfollowed. So, and, and I, and you would get those DMS like constantly from uh, people that you follow and it would started turning into like crypto stuff. And you're just like, what the heck is going on? Right. It's a good point but, because those, those messages do come through social media accounts as well. And like, like you said, you know, you hear from someone you haven't heard or you don't expect to hear from it and it's unexpected, you know, it's exciting. Hey, maybe I'll click on this, but definitely that's one of the signs it's probably a good idea to take a pause and, and wonder if this is a phishing email um the same kind of thing um uh, for a different demographic happens on facebook as well and it's something um that people's accounts get get spoofed 
and then the spoof account friends up all the person's contacts and then the spoofed account then reaches out uh, and that can be a problem as well and so i just might put in a, an important reminder um especially on facebook where you're uh, privacy settings, like there's a lot of different options in your privacy settings. On Instagram, either your account is public or it's private, whereas on uh, Facebook, there's a lot of different levels for your privacy settings. Definitely, if you have a Facebook account, go back and take a moment to see if your friend list is visible. Um, so you can either make your friend list visible to nobody, your friend list visible to uh, just your friends, or your friend list can be visible to everybody and that's how these spoofed accounts that's how it can happen right if your friend list is out there then those spoofed accounts know exactly who to contact to reach out to to get you to uh, like make a connection with this person and then that's how cyber attacks can happen later on so definitely take a look who can see your friend account your your friend list on facebook can ransomware spyware malware can can that be um can that kind of go undetected on your device? And why should someone be concerned if it's not uh, affecting their device's performance? So uh, I guess CyberSafe would always recommend that people um, buy any devices um, or services like that are reputable and make sure, you know, the cheapest device isn't always the most reputable. So just making sure that you um, are starting out with a good product where you can set the security parameters and make sure that the device is safe from the very beginning. Um, and then uh, if possible, run some antivirus software or some anti-malware um, software on the device because yes, um, like viruses and of course spyware are a problem. So you want to make sure um, and uh, and keep track of that and 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 uh, run any software that you need to. Um, I'd also say that um, you know managing your Bluetooth connections and making sure that you're keeping track of what devices you're connecting to with your um, Bluetooth that you've you know disconnected them and and um, forgot like click on the forget my account or forget this connection after you no longer have that device and just making sure that you're keeping track of those Bluetooth connections as well. In your 10 years, you've probably seen like, like a bunch of new risks kind of appear as the time mm -hmm. has gone on. So um, one of them, which was a big like talking point previously was smart home devices. Is there a risk making your home smart? Uh, smart devices uh, can be so fun and so useful. Uh, and so there's definitely a lot of advantages there. And there are also some ways to stay safe when it comes to your um, smart devices in the home. Um, the first thing you do, like you should do, like I mentioned, is make sure you buy these devices from a reputable company. Um, the cheapest device isn't always the safest device. Um, and so when you're choosing a smart home device, make sure that it has um, cybersecurity settings integrated within it. At the minimum, um, if, if there's a password, you should be able to change that password and make it something unique. If you are using the password that comes right with it out of the box, that could uh, put you at risk. So make sure you can change that password. Another thing uh, for sure that it's important to look into is finding out what data this device is collecting and who it is sharing it with. These devices are in our homes. It is an intimate part of our lives. They can be tracking 
many things. And so you want to make sure that you know what it is tracking um, and who it is sharing that information with. And that goes for like smart home speakers, any fitness trackers, even, um, you know, like smart home lighting uh, if it is knowing what your schedule is when you come home from work, when you wake up to go to work, when uh, what your schedule is like during the day, if that information is then um, shared or made public in any way, that can share a lot of personal information about you that you might not have intended to share. Um, so it's important to see what kind of protections are in place um, for these smart home devices and how you can manage them, like go into the settings and make sure you're not sharing more than you want to. Um, and and that uh, that when you are maybe no longer using the device that you can shut down the account um, in a way that is uh, safe for you. But the most important thing, I can't believe I almost forgot to say this, smart home devices, the most important thing you need to do is these all run off your home router. Um, and so you got to make sure the first thing you do is make sure that your home router is set up securely. Um, so what I mean by that is these home routers often come with a default password. Um, already installed with them, you got to go in and change that password and make it a strong, unique, uh, long password that only you know. Uh, another good tip there is some of the um, home internet routers will allow you to create a guest network. So in that case, you would have a network for your um, your devices, your home computers, but then you could put like, say, your smart home speakers or any other um, smart devices on that guest network. And so then there's a little bit of a division between your sensitive data that's on your computer and your smart home devices that are on your guest network. So that's probably the most important tip for uh, smart home devices is make sure your router is safe as, as the first step. Yeah. Gotcha. I love that tip. What about cloud storage services? Obviously incredibly useful, mm -hmm. especially for people that work online or spend a lot of time online or sharing a lot of data online, but they also pose great security risk. You see like people having their personal or intimate data leaked all the time. I'm wondering how someone can go about better protecting their data that's stored in the cloud. I'm glad you uh, brought up data storage because when we were talking about ransomware, I talked about um, making sure you have a backup and like backups are maybe the least exciting part of cybersecurity because uh, it just seems like a chore to make sure your backup is done. But it is so important because if um, like anything happens to your device, it's lost, it's stolen, uh, it's, you know, uh, affected by a flood, for example, um, that backup will enable you to get back up and running and keep your data. So backups is so important. Um, so uh, cloud storage is one backup option uh, that can work for a lot of people. Um, there's also um, like a hard drive. So a physical backup storage can also work. Um, oftentimes people might look at having two types of backups, so cloud and physical storage. Um, and you want to make sure that you're, again, looking for a reputable uh, a company to be storing your data with, making sure that you have stored it uh, and password protected it, if the case may be, in a safe way. In a safe way. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd uh, recommend for, for cloud storage and backups. What about AI? I know it's so, like, new and kind of, like, the, the biggest thing right now. Is there... Is there some extra risks posed with new AI software and AI technology? 
AI technology is just so exciting and it's like evolving all the time. And on Get Cyber Safe, we don't quite have uh, advice up at this point. Um, but what I would say is, you know, a lot of people are using it either um, in a work setting or uh, a business setting, and maybe they're sharing a lot of information into the AI algorithm um, that's proprietary to their business or proprietary to their work and then making it public or potentially uh, um, open to a data leak in that respect. So I would be I would be careful what information you're sharing with the AI services. Um, yeah, and and also we're also thinking about how AI is impacting um, you know phishing emails because these AI um, language models make it so much easier to write in a natural language way that uh, you can create phishing like thousands and thousands of phishing emails quickly and easily that sound natural, that sound like authentic language. Uh, so it's making phishing emails even um, uh, more difficult to detect. So that's uh, two things that we're thinking about in terms of um, AI. Uh, I will point you to the Canadian Centre for Cybersecurity does have um, a publication out on AI. So that's available on their website if you want to learn more about some of the risks there. What is the best way to go about starting a cybersecurity awareness program in your organization, school, or club? Sure thing. Uh, so maybe you're already familiar with a lot of the um, cybersecurity advice and guidance, uh, but maybe those around you are not, and you want to use your knowledge to help your um, organization or your club um, be more cyber secure. So, uh, Get Cyber Safe has everything you will need to um, start a cybersecurity awareness uh, program in your organization. Uh, right now, when we are speaking, it is October, and it is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And so now is a great time to talk about cybersecurity awareness um, in your organization. So if you go to getcybersafe.gc.ca, you'll find everything you need, like we're talking social media content, the images, the um, meeting backdrops, there's uh, it, like email texts that you can send out uh, talking about cybersecurity and how your organization can stay cyber safe. There's all kinds of activities and interactive quizzes to make sure that uh, your club, your organization, people are thinking about these things and, and maybe looking at maybe where they need a little bit more help. Um, so yeah, getcybersafe.ca has everything you need uh, to bring cybersecurity awareness to your organization. Awesome. I want to ask one final question, but before I do that, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of just say anything else that uh, you think might be helpful to the listener that maybe we didn't touch on. Well, I guess what I might say is uh, if there's anything else that you're curious about when it comes to cybersecurity, um, take a moment to go see getcybersafe.ca. Uh, that's our main website and everything is available there. And it's available in English and French, of course, but also in multiple different formats. So if you are more of a reader, there's blog posts. If you're more of a um, person that enjoys video, we have videos on the different cybersecurity components infographics. We have uh, resources that are aimed at um, starting that discussion with your uh, children. We have resources that are aimed at the older adults in your life. Um, so really, uh, getcybersafe.ca is really a good place to start um, at looking for these resources. 
Uh, of course, follow us on social media um, at getcybersafe.ca is where you can find us. Uh, yeah, I would say that would be a good place to start. I want to give anyone who may listen somewhere to start a starting point uh, to improving their cybersecurity. Um, that isn't too overwhelming after listening to our long conversation about all the risks involved. But um, what's one simple thing that uh, everyone can go do immediately after listening to this to improve their cybersecurity? Sure thing. Well, there's one thing that's so easy that you can do it while you sleep, and that is software updates. And so just make sure that whatever devices you have, if it's your phone, if it's your tablet, if it's your computer, that it has the most recent um, um, uh, software or um, operating system installed on it. Those the updates, like sometimes they will add new features, but very often it is because there has been a vulnerability that's been identified in the software uh, and they have fixed that, they've patched it, and they're pushing out that fix through the update. And if you have not updated it, it means that your uh, device is vulnerable. So if you haven't already, you can do it right now, go into settings and enable automatic updates, and they will typically update uh, while you're resting. So that one is so easy that you can do it while you sleep. That's an easy one. Christine, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this great conversation on cybersecurity, John. A link to the Get Cyber Safe campaign can be found in the description. And for more knowledge and stories from STEAM professionals, check out the Root and Stem magazine at pingwad.com or more episodes of the Root and Stem podcast, available to download on your streaming platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify.